this just in, you guys. We are live on multiple podcast channels. Welcome back to the Champion Reads Book Club, where we have best-selling book conversations and more. I am your host, John Kowatch Jr. Joining me in the studio today is executive producer Ian Sturmer. And we also have joining us executive producer William Blake. So excited that you're both here and the discussion topic for today is this beauty right here, Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. Now, it's an interesting topic, it's an interesting read, and it's a very interesting title. One that might deter you from actually reading it, where this book, written in 1937, 38-ish, was definitely taboo and definitely something that was a little out there, a little bit different. And I'll give you a brief history. We'll talk about this book in, in its entirety. And uh, over our next session or two, we're going to hopefully dive in and express our own thoughts and understandings of this book. But I have to tell you, and I've got one other person here with me, William, who who I've shared this book with. Uh, we've we've had late night conversations back and forth about how mind blowing this book is and how it's changed our lives. But I, I I gotta say, when I read this book for the first time, first of all, you know me, I'm devout to Napoleon Hill. <laughs> I'm so excited just about the work. Uh, and his creations. And he was definitely a man ahead of his time. But I think what put him ahead of his time was the truth and principles he collected by studying the success of others and using those principles to teach and communicate with us, with us today on how to achieve greatness, how to achieve success, how to overcome our greatest fears and obstacles, but ultimately to change the way we think about things so that we can progress in a very positive way. Let me give you a little bit of detail as to outwitting the devil. So, so, uh, but, but before that, I just want to share my own personal testimonial. I would actually like to call on William in just a second and ask him what his testimonial of the book, having read it, and now we're going to go back and review it. And then I'll give a little bit of an overview. But I, I just got to say, with this book, the, the background, which I'll tell you guys in just a minute, in and of itself is pretty phenomenal. Like the circumstances in which this book was released are pretty impressive, but we'll get into that in a second. What I would say is uh, for my entire life, I called myself an achiever, a high performer, an athlete, somebody who, who really had control of their life. You know, if I hit the gym, I made control of my body, my life, my mind, my everything. Okay. But I didn't understand nor realize how much faster success could be attained through the power of understanding one's own mind. And in this book, Outwitting the Devil, I learned that for the longest time, although I had a particularly good finger on my actual awareness, I recognized that I have been a drifter in so many ways of my life. And we'll talk about that term later today too, but this book has transformed me. It has awakened me. It has given me ideas and thoughts. It has planted conversations in my head. It has allowed me to overcome many of the negativity 
and the negative thoughts that may creep into my mind as I'm preparing, as I'm teaching, as I'm creating outstanding programs, curriculums, and businesses. I have a huge debt to pay when it comes to owing back the life that was expounded and unveiled before my eyes because of, of this book right here, Outwitting the Devil. So that's a little bit about my testimonial. I have so much more to say. I'd like to pass it over to Willie, though. Willie, what do you feel having read this book and what's your personal, I guess, thoughts and, and uh, um, yeah, opinions on the book? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for asking. This book, man, I have to say, since since 2018, where I went from reading just one book to 50 books and then continuously 60 plus a year, I've read over the last couple of years about 300 plus different books um, by a variety of authors, whether fiction, self-development, it could be autobiographies. And without a doubt, <laughs> and I'm not I'm not lying about this. The honest truth is this book is in my top three of books that I would recommend to, to individuals because it's so profound and so different. Like you said, it was back in the 19, 1930s, uh, 1940s around there, where he, where Napoleon Hill started writing it. And not that, that there weren't movement makers back then, people who are willing to, to set a different standard, but there are it was so taboo that even Napoleon mentioned in the, in the beginning of this book, how he was scared. He was scared and his wife was scared to, to publish this at that time to the point where he, he, he waited till uh, 70, 70 ish years later to, to have it come out because it was so taboo and the, the quote unquote devil um, would have used like all, all of his forces and we'll get into like what, what the devil means and such like that. But all the, all the negative forces would have gone against them because of how profound and perspective changing this book is to, to me personally, like I said, it's in my top three and just having the, the back and forth between Napoleon and the devil in the interview setting really put into perspective about different uh, different things going along in my life. I too, John, realized I was a drifter. I thought I, he was just like, yeah, only about 2% of people in the world are uh, outwitting the devil per se. And 98% are the drifters. And I said, oh, I'm that, I'm that 2%. What are you talking about? I'm the one that's going at it and getting what I needed to. Uh, very humbled as I read the book to realize, yeah, I am, I am absolutely a drifter. And it was, it was really nice to, to have that, that, that realization and to, you know, going through the process to become some of the, that 2% to that change the world and really live within, within themselves instead of going from the outer inner, going from the inner outer. So this again, it, book is my top three. Um, that I'd recommend to people and just a fantastic book to um, really, if you want to jump and dive right into any of Napoleon Hill's library, um, one, absolutely the top books you should grab. 
I, uh, I I firmly agree, and mostly out of opinion and experience, this is an this book is definitely in my top three as well. Um, and I have to mention because she's a dear friend, uh, a mentor figure, and one of the most respected and yet outspoken mentors on finance and one of the most um, modern day respecters of Napoleon Hill besides Don Green, who is the uh, uh, president of the Napoleon Hill foundation. Um, this book is actually annotated by my dear friend, Sharon Lecter and Sharon does an amazing job. And you know, what's interesting. I want to share something that's a little controversial uh, the other day, as I was listening to the book in review, um, I went through Audible's um, uh, five-star reviews, and there were a couple like reviews that said um, uh, there were a couple that were like two or three stars, and I, I want to read them. I just want to laugh at what people think. And uh, as I was reading them, someone said the book is amazing, but Sharon Lecter ruined it. Said it was like. She she made it sound like I was in grade school again. And I wanted to like go to battle. I wanted to like take this guy down. I never wanted to hurt someone in my life until I read these reviews that were that were bashing on Sharon because and Sharon, if you ever listen to this episode or hear it, you are a national, international treasure. You have been given so much trust and so much I guess leverage to be entrusted by the Napoleon Hill Foundation to annotate this to look and to scroll through the original manuscripts but there's a reason why Sharon is because as New York Times best-selling author of Thinking Grow Rich for Women and so many other great resources and books you truly have created uh, a modern day pathways for us to walk the journey of success in our own lives. So Sharon, we love you. Shout out to you. And just know if I ever meet those people on the street, they're going down. Okay. <laughs> All right. So that's the meanest I'll ever be. But um, you know, it's interesting about this book and I won't, you don't have to share anything right now if you don't want to Ian, but I just wanted to point out that this is Ian's first time reading the book. And uh, as we're just getting started, acquainted with the book, you know, getting to know its cover, its pages, how it smells and all that stuff. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting and I can't wait to see his perspective because I, I love and trust Ian's perspective and a lot of the things we do on this podcast because Ian does bring a different side to things. And while Willie and I are both like, we think it's the best book in the world. I can't wait to see if, and if there is an alternative perspective and this will be very grounding for me, but it will also be very, um, uplifting and positive as we discuss it. So I, I look forward to all of that. And I look forward to seeing your reactions, Ian, as you read through it more. Yeah. Well, I just want to point out uh, that, you know, there's 2% of people are, are outwitting the devil and 98 are, are drifting. Um, I'm in the 3% that realizes they need to finish this book before next week. <laughs> um, I'm partway into it. And um, I've been doing the audible version uh, with Sharon uh, introducing it and interjecting uh, her comments and thoughts there. So I'm, I'm admiring and enjoying her comments as well. Um, and this is not a negative on her, but it does sometimes interrupt the flow 
of the book. So maybe they just got wrapped up in that instead of, of building on and gaining the wisdom of both sides um, from Sharon as well. Yeah, um, I haven't met her in person yet. I've been on a, a few calls with her, which uh, respect what she has done with that. So, um, but I'm excited because um, I can honestly say the devil is whooping my butt most of the time. <laughs> so I'm ready just to find out what I can do to get in the other side of this. Well, I love that, Ian. I love that too. And thank you for sharing that. And and yeah, that was interesting what most people said about the flow, right? How it was an introduction, but that's technically what an annotation is. It's a note, but I love that. I love that perspective. Let's dive in and talk about the overview. Um, I'll read a couple things and I'll share a few things, but I just want to give our audience a general picture of this. And and Willie actually covered something that I, I, I love and I can't wait to talk about, but um, just an overview of the book, you know, Outwitting the Devil is um, written by Napoleon Hill, published, and it says posthumously. <laughs> and I think that means it was written back in 1938, but it was actually published in 2011, and there's a reason why. It is based on interviews conducted by Napoleon Hill with the devil himself, which he claimed to have conducted through automatic writing. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, the book is divided into two parts. The first part is his conversation, um, the conversation between Hill and the devil. And the second part is his analysis and commentary on the conversation. Um, but but I want to just share too that what's, what, what, what really is interesting about this book is, Willie said it earlier, when when Napoleon wrote the manuscript and shared it with his wife, and she read it, she was a driving force to say, Napoleon, and I wonder if she had like little cute nicknames for him back in the day, like Nappy, Nappy Hill, Hilly, I don't know, something funny. I just I just imagine like these two having these banters and they're so cute. Um, but But she says to Napoleon, you cannot publish this. Like I fear that this will bring damnation that that the those who serve the devil will be ignited and come after us that this will have influence and impact over our lives our family and our posterity she literally feared for her life and the reason why and this is very interesting because as as the wife and the spouse to an individual who was known for unveiling the truths of success that realize that if we share certain information, certain truths, that there may be consequences. We might be stoned. We might get cursed. We might get, I don't know, someone might uh, do something to our house, our family. But certain things that we do and say when we put our foot down and share truths and take stands for things could make a little bit of a ripple in the calm waters of life and culture. And that was something that she completely feared. Now, Willie said this too earlier, and I want to just kind of expound on it a second, is that the devil himself does say, and, and let me give you some context. In, 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 and we don't actually know whether this conversation was a hallucination, um, a real conversation with the devil, or if it was a dream and we'll talk about the dream thing in here in a second too, but we don't really know what it was, but we do know that in this context, Napoleon coerces the devil into an interview and 
Napoleon basically contracts the devil to answer every single question he asks and he has to answer it. And in this interview, Napoleon intends and his intention is to unveil and, and um, basically elude all, or the right word would be elicit all of the secrets and tactics and strategies that the devil uses to capture our minds, to take us under his control and to drift us along through life and to keep us from our own personal successes. And so he uses these tactics to coerce the, um, the devil into answering them. And in the interview, at one point, the devil says, look, I beg you, please don't make me answer this question because it will release all my secrets that have worked for millennials, right? For, for millenniums and, and millennials. That's funny. I said millennials. It worked for millennials. Um, and, and Napoleon says, don't mind me. I'll take on that responsibility. Answer the questions now. And he gets into these conversations and I'll wrap this up by just saying the devil says, okay, well, you know what? I'm just going to go with it. But at this point, I, I am warning you that what you find out through my words is on you and what people do in response to what they do for me, it's all on you. I have no, I have no faults in the matter. And that's one of those things where Napoleon's wife says, oh my gosh, like the devil made threats in this interview to Napoleon about if he published this work, what might happen? And 2011, after so many years, uh, what is that? Almost a hundred years. If it was written in, yeah, if it was written in 1938, but published in 2011, almost just shy of a, a few decades Almost, my math is really good, um, to 100 years, guys, this book sat in manuscripts waiting until the Napoleon Hill Foundation realized that it was time. And that excites me because it's like it's like the Dead Sea Scrolls or, or uncovering a new written ancient text that, that was hidden in the, the pyramids in Africa, right? Or Egypt, sorry. Uh, but essentially, it's just like, wow, this is incredible. So just by it coming to life, is pretty amazing, but but Sharon Lecter even annotates at the end that this book was one of the most profound books that she ever read, and that's pretty big coming from somebody who's had so much contribution in this world to you know from rich dad poor dad to other things. So what I wanted to just share about that is there's so many aspects to this book that have a bit of a weight to it, and. You know, this book really can can over help you overcome some great things. As Ian said a few minutes ago, you know, the devil's kicking my butt. And, uh, you know, that's it's OK. That's normal. But I, I got to tell you, I read this book probably 10 times now. And I still have moments where I drift. I still have moments where I find myself in a drifting state because once a drifter, you will always tend to lean back to the things that feel comfortable. But breaking those drifting habits is what we want to talk about. We'll get into that later. But I wanted to give you a few more tips on the overview, and then I'll open it up for a few things of discussion. So within the first few chapters, guys, um, Napoleon Hill recounts his first meeting with 
the uh, Scottish American industrialist Andrew Carnegie. Um, and to this relationship, Andrew Carnegie takes Napoleon Hill under his wing. Uh, for the first time, uh, Andrew Carnegie uh, extends the um, inv invitation to be intern, and Napoleon Hill interns for Andrew Carnegie for so many years. But this meeting proved to be the turning point in Hill's life, and it set him on a path of research and study uh, that actually and eventually led to him writing this book. But on top of that, led to Think and Grow Rich and a number of all the other Napoleon Hill books. But in this chapter one, um, uh, Napoleon begins with a brief overview of the purpose of the book, which is to help individuals achieve their goals and acquire wealth. Hill states that the book is based on the philosophy of success. He uses um, that, that were used by Andrew Carnegie and the hundreds of some of the most successful people that he interviewed as a result of his correlation and connection to Andrew Carnegie. Um, and then just a few other tips and bits here before we jump into the next part is he'll provides a brief overview of his background, including his education as a work in journalism and as a writer. And uh, he had a magazine company that he started. Um, he notes that he even he had been asked by the president of the United States to interview successful individuals to discover the secrets of their success, which is interesting because when I grew up reading uh, Think and Grow Rich, I thought it was I thought it was Andrew Carnegie who asked him to to uh, to do so. So I'm going to fact check that in just a minute. Um, but but the last few things here just to understand is Hill recounts his first meeting with Carnegie, which took place in 1908. He describes Carnegie as a wizard of the business world and notes that he was an impress he was impressed by Carnegie's humble demeanor and willingness to help others. Carnegie tells Hill that uh, about his belief that success is based on a formula that can be applied and learned by anyone in this world. And he talks about those philosophies to success. But before we get into any of that, I just want to kind of turn the mic back over to my team here. You guys, um, he, he talks about this idea of self-appointed masterminds. And this might be the this might be the hint that Napoleon dropped the Easter egg that he gave us when he talked about, you know, I, I coerced the devil into an interview. And this might be in his head. This might be an actual delusion. It could be <laughs> the influence of anything. I don't know. But it could also be as easy as this was a conversation he had in his head, just like the conversations we have in our own heads. And I want to talk about that for a second, because in Think and Grow Rich, chapter 10, Napoleon Hill describes the importance of masterminds. And he talks about how not only do you need to have your in-person ones, but you also need to have the masterminds in your head. And the masterminds need to consist of those who you respect most and want to be like and, and, and connect with. My mastermind consists of mostly dead people. <laughs> uh, my, my, my internal mastermind, that is. Um, but, but this idea of your self-appointed mastermind and everything being in your head, let's talk about that for a few minutes here, guys, because I, I think that's such an interesting topic. And uh, we can all at some point be in our heads, and that's a negative connotation. But I want to flip that on its side and say, being in your head is not a negative. Being in your head is a 
is, is, is a positive piece of awareness. It's, it's, it's a way to, to connect with the world in a different way. I'm curious as to what you guys feel and think about being in your head. What's that all about? What do you think? What do you think it means to have conversations in your head? Are they legit? What are you, what are your guys thoughts? I see uh, Mike's uh, Willie's mic is hot. Go ahead, Willie. Yeah. I, besides like the negative connotation of like you were saying, being inside your head, I actually do this quite often. And what I do is I have, I have me who usually sit in my head when I think about it, I'm sitting at my desk and then I have my ideal me. Um, I call, I call him Bill. Um, and he's, like up against the wall or leaning up against the bookshelf. He just has his like arms folded and eyes closed and just kind of like that smirk, like really cool guy type vibe. And me sitting at my desk, I bring up a problem to him that I'm having or a challenge or an obstacle. And for some reason I'm able to then go be, be that bill guy. And give really sound wisdom to the problem and really great solutions that I didn't think I'd think about before. And so to me, what a, what a mastermind is, is one person coming with a, with a challenge or an obstacle and then everyone else who's in the room, uh, giving their resources, connections, everything that they have, their knowledge. And so when I have that kind of one-on-one with me and Bill, uh, that's that I, it's funny enough. I didn't realize that was a mastermind, uh, until you were talking about it just now. And it really is. It's, it's that one-on-one mastermind between me, me and this other guy of finding solutions. And so those self-appointed masterminds, yeah, it's all in your head and they're phenomenal. (laughs) Yeah. I'll jump in with there also. Um, I think I'm a fairly introspective person. So I, I like to sit and look at why am I thinking a certain way? Why am I feeling a certain way? Um, and uh, I haven't quite done. I think I am going to make an imaginary friend to talk to and, and get that perfect, cool guy. And I'm going to call him Willie. So, well, that should work for it. Yes. <laughs> um, but actually, uh, William and I were met last night and we were talking and uh, had kind of a, just a long, deep discussion uh, that hit a lot of important points for me. And one of those was that hit me was perspective and getting different perspectives on things. And um, every time you talk to someone else, you get a new perspective. Every new book you read, you get a new perspective. But you can also look at yourself and say, if I'm this person, what's my perspective? Well, what if I step into these shoes? How does that change it? And I think that idea of a self-mastermind where we look at a problem and say, well, you know, if I could historically look at it as Abraham Lincoln, how would I see it? Uh, if I could historically look at it as Genghis Khan or Mozart or Beethoven. Uh, side note, great movie about that. It's called Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, where they bring all the historical figures together. Maybe it was before both of you were born, but really good movie. <laughs> um, Okay, nobody smiled, sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, just the idea of um, taking control yourself, even if you don't have your regular mastermind around you, 
And I'm partway into this book. I actually haven't hit the drifting that we brought up a few times, but I'm going to take a stab in the dark at that. And you can let things happen to you, or you can stop and say, what is actually happening? What is doing that? Um, and a, a comment John made at the very beginning, Napoleon Hill was ahead of his time. And a, a thought kind of hit me. He wasn't ahead of his time. He created his time. He created this new time um, that not many people are able to do. But um, rather than drift along and assume Carnegie was rich and famous and powerful because of some mysterious factor in there, um, or, hey, I can find out, I can search it. And he interviewed people, but throughout, especially the beginning of this book, he goes over and over about how he had to stop and say, why am I not there? What's happening to me? And really question himself. Um, so I, I think that's a great way, whether we're questioning ourselves in a positive way, whether we're brainstorming with ourselves, whether we're creating fictitious people to talk to, be careful with that one. Um, I think that's a, a great way to mastermind on your own as well. So. I win the first truth bomb. Yeah. I, I mean, it's self, it's not self, it just happens. And uh, wow. Yeah. Ian, I, man, that was awesome. Uh, Willie, did you want to add to that? I saw you uh, on mic for a second. No, not, not to add. That was, that was, that was pure inspiration. I, I want to repeat what Ian said just, and I'm probably going to obliterate it, but um, since we're swimming in the, uh, the aftermath of a truth bomb, I, I want to say that, you know, you said, Ian, Napoleon Hill wasn't ahead of his time. He created his time. And that I, I love because Ian, that is the pro that is the exact concept of, of, of this, you know, working within your mind and also escaping the life of drifting. I love that. And I want to share a quick example in a story. So I actually just wrote about this recently in one of my books, but um, it, it incorporates the idea of being in your head as well as the drifting and they merge well together. So in high school, I played, I played football. And uh, I led the uh, state of Colorado's 5A football teams in tackles. Um, but I was, I was um, what they call a strong safety. I would sit furthest in the backfield and I would sit and spy on the quarterback playing defense. Okay, I'm on defense, spying on the quarterback. And I would watch his eyes, watch his moves, and I would read him. And if he was dropping back to throw a pass, I would drop back into the backfield and let nobody touch the ball. No one could catch it, whatever. Right. That was my goal. That was my, actually, if there was a job for safety, that's your number one job is don't let anyone pass you in the backfield and keep everything in front of you. That's job number one. So that was my job, but I was so good at reading quarterbacks that I knew if they were not going to throw the ball that I could sprint up to the line of scrimmage past everybody, including the guys that weighed 400 pounds and I could make the tackle, whether it was to the running back or sack the quarterback. I was so good at that. But there were times when I misread. Okay. I got into that flow state where I was, was so in it and thinking, Oh, I know what I'm seeing. And I would bite on it. I would take a step forward. Like I was seeing the tackle 
only to realize that ball was being thrown over my head. And again, a safety has one job. It's don't let anything behind you. And there were times when I got caught guilty of biting on the quarterback and not literally like, not like gnawing on him, but like, you know what I mean? Like biting his moves, digging in deep and getting caught inside so that the ball would go flying over my head. I did have a superpower though. I was really fast and I've always been a very fast athlete and sorry for the wheezing behind me. My, uh, my little wiener dog wheezy is, uh, gotta, Hey, lay off the, lay off the cigarettes. Okay. Um, anyways, there was a time when I noticed that I had totally got caught. Like I bit on it and, 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 and I'm, I'm seeing this ball go over my head and I go, dang it. I slap my helmet. And that triggers me to turn on the turbo jets, flip around and chase down this guy who was past me with the football trying to score a touchdown. And I caught him like several yards before he could score. And for most people like, wow, what an amusement. Like here's this guy who goes supersonic on everybody catches the dude before he can even score. But my coaches are screaming. They're livid. They're like, John, you have one job, right? And I make fun of myself about this all the time because that moment of me drifting, being so just overtaken with the game and, and whatever, that I lost track of my, my, my focus, my job, my awareness. But also in that moment, I had the ability to snap out of that mo that, that 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 drifting and think about what I needed to do next. And as unhumanly possible of turning on the 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 um, B-52 carrier jet engines to catch this guy who is already within scoring distance, um, it, it, it is something that was converted from that power of 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 the conscious overcoming the subconscious. And I think that's a powerful principle and just an outline of, of really what we're talking about here. You truly can think and grow rich, but the problem that most people have is they're not thinking the right ways. They're allowing that negativity to overtake their thoughts and they continue to drift down the river of negativity. What did you want to add to that or share in um, context? Ian? Yeah. Um, I think you, I like your story. Um, you do yourself a little bit of a disservice because um, other than being a really cool, fast guy and, and football player and all of that, you might have to be the next hero person I put up there to talk to. <laughs> but um, you're looking at the signs, you're studying it, you're taking control of the situation. But when you find the situation is not what you thought it was, the fact is you already had another situation that you had run through in your mind and planned for, which was turn around and run really fast. Might not be a big strategy, but it's still a strategy. Um, so along with this idea of, of not just drifting along or, you know, if I play football, I'm drifting, which is I'm looking at the stands and um, matter of fact, uh, short side note, I was a photographer in high school. So I would take pictures of the football games and I would routinely have to suddenly jump away really fast because I wasn't paying attention. And I would realize that the safety was now three feet away from me running straight towards me to tackle the guy in front of him. <laughs> um, that was drifting. You had multiple plans. 
that you are waiting to see which plan to take into effect. And you are in control of a situation which hadn't happened yet and waiting to see if that happened. Um, and I love that idea of, of multiple plans and multiple contingencies because all those conversations had to take place in your head first. Um, and we're all gonna make a wrong one here and there. Um, you know, each of us are married, so we have all misread signals before with someone in our life <laughs> um, and learned that, whoops, that's not what she was saying at all. <laughs> um, so having those multiple plans and multiple perspectives, multiple ideas um, that we run through ahead of time allows us to not be drifting even if we drift a little bit. So I, I hope that makes sense for your story. Oh, that's awesome. And if I was ever one of those people that came out of bounds and hit you on accident, um, I deeply apologize. Yeah. I was in New York, so I don't think you were that far out of bounds. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I love that. And, and, and I agree, you know, there's, there's, um, there's so much to this principle and we're going to learn it as we talk more about the book, but um, a few other things I want to mention in, in regards to drifting and, and overcoming, you know, one's thoughts is, uh, you know, when, when um, in the first chapter of this book, uh Hill concludes the chapter by saying a few things and he talks about the principles of success are, are being able to um, well, the principles of success really are, are found and available to anybody. Um, it just depends. And I think Ian touched on this, which is being able to hold in one's mind, multiple plans to, to create contingencies, to, be able to operate on a way where you're aware of the, the uh, present and make decisions based on the present to influence and impact the future. Um, Napoleon Hill talks about um, that this book is not a, uh, a, a get rich quick scheme or anything like that, but it helps people and individuals to achieve their goals and live a fulfilling life. That's the purpose of his work and what Think and Grow Rich was all about and so many other things. And, you know, this, this influence between Carnegie and Napoleon Hill was very, very impactful. And, you know, I, I, I wondered today, like I, I drift into my own thinking and dreaming of, you know, where in, where in um, my life do I, do I take relationships like that one and cherish every single moment? You know, when I'm talking to my mentors or I'm reading books and thinking about those who've, who the, the giants that have gone before us, but this idea of the self-appointed mastermind, the using your mind to, to um, achieve things is an ultimate reality. And if there's anything that I want anyone to walk away with this, having read this book or understanding this book, I don't want them to focus in on the idea that Napoleon's talking to the devil here. That's not what this book's about. What this book is truly about is helping you recognize the state in which your brain is functioning. Is your subconscious operating the and driving the, the conscious or is your ability to be awake, aware, and alert, driving the force 
and causing your natural state, which is that of the subconscious, to to operate in a way that is at the command of your own um, command center, which is the brain. And so I, I love this idea. And um, I, I often tell people, and I'll really tell a brief story here. I often tell people that when I hung up my track shoes um, in 2012, it was after I competed in my last decathlon. And I just remembered the pain that I was in. I remember how sore I was having spent two days competing against the world's top athletes. The guys who are six foot five and are are gazelles uh, over the hurdles, but yet they can chuck a um, a, a discus, you know, 165 feet. Like it's amazing what they're able to do. But I remember thinking to myself, is this what I plan to do for the next 10 years of my life to beat my body to a crisp and to, to use this ability, this strength to, to uh, achieve what I want, or can I take the same physical energy and transform it or in the terms of think and grow rich, transmute that, that energy into something greater? Can I serve more people? Can I reach more people? And so my hanging of the cleats became the putting on the whistle where I became the coach. I became the, 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 the mastermind of my own life behind what goes into helping others achieve their goals. And um, I'm a huge advocate for that process because while I need to justify <laughs> hanging up uh, a really great future and career in track and field. I, I oftentimes never let that negativity set in, but to realize that that contingency, that pivot of my idea was that I could make a greater difference at a faster rate if I worked in a different aspect. And, um, I love that. I think that that's, um, a powerful principle about using your mind to take control because like you said, Ian, there's really only one person that's most important, and that's you. Um, I think we shared this a couple of weeks ago. If it's on hands, it's not on hand, so I won't share it. But it was um, Deepak Chopra. And I bought a book, super excited to read it, opened it up. And on the first page, it had a powerful line that says, at the center of all the universe, the most important thing is you. And I walked away thinking, I don't need to read another page of this book. I didn't even make it to chapter one. That was in the prologue um, because of how impactful that that is, that you are the epicenter of all activity of, uh, of, of cognitive ability and movement in your life. So um, that's a long monologue, but anyone else want to share or add? Yeah. You brought up a, I guess, as I was listening to you, it made me think of a couple of different things. Um, one, I have to give a kudos to my son who, uh, boldly put on his resume, and I got the year wrong, so bear with me, but he was uh, Times Person of the Year for like, I think it's 1993, um, which is especially bold because he wasn't born yet. Um, but uh, you can Google this one later on, and again, the year is probably wrong, but uh, that year, the Time Person of the Year was you um, for everybody, so he caught on to that and put it on his resume. <laughs> Um, but, uh, as you were talking in kind of the, the power of your own ideas, you taking control of yourself, um, remind me, I had a chance a few years ago, uh, to meet David Bradford, who's a, a wonderful entrepreneur. Um, you may, it looks like you've heard of him. 
Um, he has a nickname, the, the bottle cap kid. And that kind of made an alter ego for him. And he shared a story that's really hit me. Um, he graduated law school in Utah and went to the big city of Los Angeles for his first job interview. And he went up to the top of this high store, high story, high rise building for this powerful law firm. And he walked in there and bombed that interview horribly. Um, did a terrible job. He knew it was a terrible job. He had no invite back for a second interview or anything. He walked out, he got in the elevator at the end of this horrible interview. And as the elevator went down, it stopped on another floor as elevators sometimes do. Um, the door opened and he looked out and saw the name of a law firm on the, the tag in front of it. So he walked out, walked into the law firm and said, is your HR director here? And they said, well, no, just what is it about? Well, I wanted to apply for a job. He said, well, let me see if I can find somebody to talk to you. Somebody came out, he went in and had an interview and got hired by him. To go from knowing you bombed an interview to not even making it down to the ground floor of the elevator before you confidently walk in and ask another law firm for an interview that you've never heard of before. Um, that's taking control of yourself. That's saying, you know what? I'm not going to let any of these things affect me. Whatever has happened in the past is the past. Whatever was good and bad, and I'm sure he learned something from the interview and all those things. But say, you know what? I'm going to control it. It's me that's doing it. It's not anything else. Um, and I hope someday I can have an experience like that in my life, <laughs> be brave enough to do something like that. But um, a lot of that comes down to you're in control. There are laws and rules to follow. And as you go into yourself and your mind and say, I can and will do this, we'll achieve those kind of successes as well. So. Well, well said. I, uh, I love that. And adding to that context too, um, I want to, I want to add a few more pieces to, uh, what, what the beginning chapters of this book, uh, cover and entail, but thank you, Ian. That was awesome. Um, one of the things I, I wanted to share chapter two is literally called, let me open up my uh, book here. A new world is revealed to me. And I think that's such an interesting title for the chapter of which we still haven't even gotten to Napoleon's conversation with the devil. We've gotten into this idea that, that, um, that you can learn by interviewing successful people. Um, I've seen firsthand <clears throat> several entrepreneurs. And by the way, I know your, I know your buddy. I don't know if he knows me, but I've, I've known him and his nickname. He's, he's a cool guy. And I love his story. I've met a few people who have followed these principles and have taken their time um, interviewing and understanding the lives of successful people and converting that into their life and business. Um, there was a gal named, uh, um, Oh shoot. I just forgot her name, but anyway, she wrote a book called the eventual Mi uh, millionaire. It'll come to me later. Um, anyway, she, she went on LinkedIn, built connections with powerful CEOs, interviewed all of them and learned about the millionaire status. And over the time she became millionaire applying these principles, but <clears throat> 
what I wanted to share an overview is in this new world that was revealed to Napoleon Hill. And he begins to interview Carnegie. And this is a very interesting yet entertaining conversation because Carnegie is a powerful person, but, but he has, as described by, by Napoleon, he is very humble. He, he, um, he has a very humble tone and he's, he, he cares about serving people. But Carnegie begins the interview by asking Hill a series of questions about his background, his education, his goals. He then explains to Hill his philosophy of success, which is based on the principles of organized knowledge and cooperation. But I want to get to this extra point, which is the, the new world concept. Hill describes how Carnegie's philosophy opened his mind to a new world of possibilities that he had never considered before. Um, he takes notes that Carnegie believes in the power of organized knowledge, inspiring him to uh, study the lives and careers of the, some of the most successful individuals and to discover the principles that they had used to achieve success. But that path to success is described as Carnegie's... Um, well, it, it, it's based on three principles. Let's just go with this. And I'll put this in the, the ticker at the bottom. But the three principles that are the path to success in, the ter in terms of what Carnegie says and what Napoleon Hill learns in all of this is that you need to have a definiteness of purpose, the mastery of self, and service to others. And the third one's ultimately my favorite. But definiteness of purpose mastery of self and service to others are really, really important principles to anyone's success. Now define success, right? It's objective depending on who you are, what you're working towards, what success looks like to me, maybe different what success looks like to you. Um, but, but take in mind that this is coming from some of the world's most powerful minds. And what I love, and I'm just going to put that in our private chat here, is that there's a there's a, a quote in this book that I had breezed over, but it was Willie who pointed it out to me. And this book has this 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 um this quote will forever be one of my favorite quotes. And Willie shared it the other day with our team in preparation for this. But uh, if you have it on hand, Willie, you should share it. If you don't, it's okay. I uh, I have a screenshot that I can I can bust out and share with you guys, but it has a lot to do with definiteness of purpose and you got it. Okay. He's got it. I'm going to turn it over to you for a second. I would love to hear that quote again. Yeah. It's one of my favorite quotes and funny enough, like my book is indented where I like went like this on the page so much. Cause I loved it, but here's the quote. Be definite in everything you do and never leave unfinished thoughts in your mind. Form the habit of reaching definite decisions on all subjects. Boom. Seriously, one of my favorite quotes, because it's the unfinished thoughts in the mind that lead us to drifting. It's the unfinished tasks. It's the unfinished ideas. I hate it when I am in a sleep meditative state and I'm dreaming and then that alarm goes off. I loathe that moment. That is the worst moment because I'm having to end a thought that I haven't finished. And part of me will either endure the alarm clock or find an excuse and a way to get back. But it's never the same because once interrupted, 
it's not going to be what it could have been. But then again, when you're in control of your thoughts, it can be whatever you want it to be. And I have to remember that. So I just think that as you continue to learn and, and focus on this idea that you are at the command center of your own life, your own uh, body, your own brain, your own mind, life doesn't happen to you. You happen to life. But if you let life happen to you, you've allowed the devil and his cunning ways to allow you to, 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 to force you into drifting and causing you to uh, move away from your, from your thoughts and abilities. Um, you know, in, in modern uh, religious times, there's an interesting concept that is called uh, free will and accountability. Um, the, the ability and the God-given gift of being able to discern and to determine one's abilities to be the creator of your own thoughts. And um, this free will is, is important because it is, in my opinion and in my belief system, it is God's gift to uh, think to, for oneself. And, um, in certain Christian cultures, we call it the power of agency, right? The ability to choose and decipher between one and another. And, um, that, that to me is a powerful, powerful principle because it really is the power to think for oneself. That is the greatest gift of all. I've been on safari, uh, um, tours and zoo, zoo, zoo rides where you observe animals in their natural states and to think that they're thinking um, philosophically for themselves is a very, very funny conversation to have while on a, while on a safari Jeep ride. But to know that we have been gifted with the ability to choose for ourselves, to discern, decipher, and to choose our own free will is a pretty amazing gift. And of all things, I'm grateful for it. I think that's so true, and that's a great aspect. Um, although I've seen the movies where the animals talk, and they do have some interesting philosophical discussions. In Madagascar, yeah. so real. I like to yeah. move it, move it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, and I love this free agency and the free will. But I think we tied in Napoleon Hill. There's there's a second half of that that has to be considered. Um, and I sum it up that you can either choose an action or you can choose a result. If you choose an action, you must live with the result. If you choose a result, you must do the action to achieve that result. Um, so we have the freedom to choose. We can make these decisions ourselves, but we have to understand that there's another half to it that we can't control. Um, we will make our choice. We will do whatever action that is and we'll either live with the outcome or we'll give this, we'll, we'll do the actions we don't necessarily like to get the outcome we do. Um, and that's kind of that idea with Napoleon Hill is saying, you know, you've got to take control of it. There's a certain amount you can control. Maybe you can control your action. Maybe you control the outcome, um, but you take charge of that. Um, and live with the other part and you'll achieve what you actually wanted. So I thank you for that. 
rookie move. <laughs> I uh, was playing with my mute button there. Well said, Ian. And and uh, as we sort of wrap up this conversation and and lead people into the next conversation of the book, again, I I think it's so powerful that first of all, I mean, think about what we're doing right now. We're taking a book that was written by someone else's thoughts, and we're taking it into our own thoughts, and we're discussing and sharing that openly in ways that allows us to grow and to grasp new ideas. Um, one of the things I really like and appreciate and have observed is Willie here is masterful at observing and listening. He's the ultimate student, but he's a great leader too. And what he has is the ability to take information, retain it and use it to help others. And again, going back to those three powerful principles is you need to have a definiteness of purpose. And I love what you said, Ian, like, don't choose an action. Well, you can if you want, but you have to live with the results. Choose a result and then do the necessary actions. I love that and live by that. Focus on the mastery of self and work towards those those uh, results rather than the actions that you want. And then serve others in, 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 and focus on serving others. That's why the mastermind is such a powerful principle. In Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, he talks about, you know, the self-appointed mastermind and how he has included, you know, C.S. Lewis and some of the top writers of his time and also, you know, some of the greatest leaders um, in American history are in that as well in, in his self-appointed mastermind. And he has these conversations and yeah, he probably knows their their writing and their work well enough to know what their personalities might be. But there's also this objective perception that allows you to choose what it is that they are and what the results are of that meeting. When I joined my first mastermind, my in-person physical first mastermind, I had just quit my job. I left my corporate career hoping that I could find something that seemed a little bit closer to home for me. And knowing that I needed to be in this first, this mastermind room, I, I slaved away at making it completely possible to keep my lights on, to pay rent, keep my family fed, and to be able to afford the monthly membership that was in this mastermind. I did everything, guys, from Uber driving to delivering pizzas to donating my plasma. I did not go down the route of using my body for other things, but I definitely went down the road of giving myself – sorry. I, hey, no no, no more uh, cigarettes, please. Um, I focusing on the things that I could do, and I just knew it. I had to be in that room. That was the result I chose, and so – um, sorry guys for the smoking or the smoker cough background. My I have a little dog who has asthma and as mom is gone, uh, she gets to roam the house. So, um, but I make jokes about the the smoking pack. But anyways, I I, I kind of want to wrap up today's meeting and sorry to bring that hilariousness in this, but I, I just I, I really do want our listeners and anyone else who finds this to know the profound principles of what Napoleon's trying to teach here. And in a recap, again, the three base major principles to success are definiteness of purpose, mastery of self, and service to others. Uh, he emphasizes the importance of having clear and definite purpose in life and developing the self-discipline to achieve it. 
um, uh, in, in, in the Carnegie Hill uh, interview, um, Carnegie challenges Napoleon to devote the next 20 years of studying and researching. And then again, this is happening in 1908, the principles of success to share the knowledge with the world. And Hill used his writing skills to create the book, um, Think and Grow Rich, and the many other books that followed um, to inspire and guide others to achieve their goals. Um, he reflects on how his meeting with Carnegie changed his life and created a whole that 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 completely new world to him, um, and 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 allowed him to change the way he had a sense of purpose and direction in his life. Um, he lastly noted that the principles of success are available to anyone who is willing to study and apply them. So there's the encouragement to success on everyone listening. Um, we're at the top of the hour on this. I, I definitely filled up a lot of this time, but want to thank our executive producers for joining us and give them um, any opportunities to open their mics and share any last thoughts before we close out. Yeah, I'd love to, to start it off. Um, yeah, again, such a great book, and I'm glad that we're doing it for book club. Um, Napoleon Hill, again, was ahead of his time. And those those three those three things, the definite of purpose, mastery of self and serving others. It's, it, it's basically making your life a sure thing. Not that you can't change your choices when you make them, but having the ability to make a choice in the moment, not letting unthoughts go and basically sticking to it unless you really need to change, uh, the decisions that you make, which should be pretty rare. The, it reminds me that most of the clutter that's in my head comes from unfinished thoughts. And the more I don't decide, the more I don't do not because I can't do it, but because my head is so full and my plate of thoughts is so full that it paralyzes me to do anything. And I know I shared this with Ian uh, last night or, or a couple of weeks ago that I just went all out on a bunch of decisions that I needed to make and just went out on a bunch of errands that I thought were going to take hours upon hours, um, the whole day to do. And it took me about an hour and a half. Now, what I didn't say is the, the days and weeks prior to that, that it mentally took a toll on me because I didn't do it. And it's funny enough, it wasn't an hour and a half that those tasks took, but I have to add in addition all the hours and days that were put in from it being in my head. So I really understand where Hill comes from it when, when in the interview, the devil says, you got to be definite. You, you can't be a drifter. You got to be definite in everything you do. And can't leave a thought undone because if you do, it's going to take up space for your future. And if you want the future that you want, you got to, you got to be definite in it. You got to have a purpose and you got to master yourself and serve others. So well said, Willie. Yeah. Love that. Um, just brought a couple things to mind. Um, one of my favorite quotes of all time is from Alice in Wonderland, where Alice comes to a fork in the road and the Cheshire cat is there. 
and Alice asks the cat which direction she should go. And the cat says, well, where are you trying to get to? She responds, I don't know. And the cat says, well, then it doesn't matter which road you take, does it? Um, if you don't know where you're trying to go, um, one, you won't even know when you get there. Um, but there's no reason to pick a direction if you don't know what you're trying to achieve. Um, and a, a second one that came up is uh, the old saying that if you can read, you can cook. If you pull out a cookbook and you read it and you do that, you will get the same result as everyone else. If you make a variation, then you'll get a different result. But if you follow that exactly, it will turn out the same for everyone. Um, a little bit different when we're talking about something like this, but the fact is there are rules and laws of the universe out there. And if we follow those, we will achieve the things that we set out for. We'll achieve that success. Um, so a definite purpose, mastering yourself. Um, and now that I stopped and did that, I forgot the last one I was going to do. <laughs> What's number three? Um, service to others. No, that wasn't. Okay. Serve others. We need to do that. <laughs> um, that fulfillment really comes once you serve and bring things to others. And even these great masters that Napoleon Hill um, interviewed, Andrew Carnegie, J.P. Morgan, um, Rockefeller, um, these are people who dedicate their lives to becoming titans of empire, I guess is what we call them now. Um, and at the end of their lives, they dedicated their lives to giving back to other people. Carnegie Libraries is a great example. Um, where these people realized that everything they had amassed was not that important. And they wanted to give back and, and give a legacy, a Rockefeller Center and things like that, that could be enjoyed by the people. Um, so maybe a final thought for me is, as we're seeking for success, um, recognize that success for us ultimately will give us the ability to make connections with people give us the resources to help other people. And that's where the, the real success in life is gonna come. Um, sometimes we need to put the oxygen mask over our mouth first, so we're able to help more people, but um, that's where the real fulfillment comes from. Uh, so had that, that definite of purpose to know that we wanna help other people and then we find the happiness. Well said, gentlemen. Great job today. This was an awesome conversation. And uh, as we seek to continue the conversations next week uh, about outwitting the devil, Napoleon Hill, annotated by Sharon Lecter and um, amazing, amazing people, um, I, I want to encourage you guys to to continue to uh, read this book, to listen to it however you consume your books, and also to uh, focus on the uh, various principles of success in your own life. Um, with all that being said, too, next time what we'll get into is we'll get into the conversations that Napoleon Hill has with the devil. And uh, you'll be in definitely in uh, enlightened by what the devil has to say about how he has used you, has used your uh, other people, how he's used organizations and oh, so many things to control our minds and allow us to be drifters. Now, I um, uh, give me two seconds here. Hey, shh, quiet, please. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, I, I'm excited to get into this conversation. I can't wait to see how it in, influences everyone else. And, uh, I can't, I can't just 
express enough excitement for how this uh, book uh, um, can influence you. Now, biasly too, there's two ways you can read this, right? There's reading it and then there's listening to it. Um, if you read it, you're going to have a completely different experience than if you listen to it. But if you read it, you are going to uh, see profound concepts that you will give credit to the devil for how cunning and how smart he is. If you listen to it, the voice that is used to portray the devil who's reading his script in this is um, pretty interesting. It makes you wonder if you're actually listening to him and you'll uh, you'll get a kick out of it, you guys. I promise that. So uh, with that being said, I'm really excited for our next conversation. But as we wrap today up, I just want to thank our team for putting this together, for joining in on the conversations, and of course, for indulging my crazy stories. But uh, we did have a truth bomb today, so note that for the record. And also just want to say we, uh, we try to go live live, quote unquote live. We try to do these every week. Um, if you'd like to support our podcast or to learn more about Champion Circle, go to mychampioncircle.com. And there, there are plenty of links and resources and opportunities to get involved with what we're doing, connect with one of our events, to go to one of our chapter meetings, or to just learn more about this um, this book series and what we're, our book series, book reading and book club and so much more. So please go to that website. And if you have requests, you have questions, you want to contribute to what we're talking about, send us a note to team at mychampioncircle.com and we'll take inquiries. With all that being said, guys, uh, I, I can't close out without saying thank you. And also everything you need is already inside you. The action between uh, the end result of what you want and the now is up to you. So take that step forward and make it happen. Signing out, guys. We'll see you next time on our Champion Reads podcast and book club conversations. See ya.